Welcome to the Violet Church Podcast, where each week you'll hear a recap of Sunday's message and receive practical, relevant, biblical perspectives on topics that matter to you. My name is Eric Flynn, and I have the privilege of serving as the executive pastor here at Violet Church. We kicked off a new series in the Gospel of Mark on January 1st titled Following Jesus, where each week we're diving deeper into God's Word and unpacking some key topics and principles I'm excited for today's episode as we have Pastor Rick Williams joining us. Pastor Rick is in his 27th year as senior pastor here at Violet Church and also serves as the Central Ohio Catalyst for the State Convention of Baptists in Ohio. Welcome to the podcast, Pastor. Thank you, Eric. We also have special guest here, Brian Ness. Brian is in his 22nd year at Violet Church, and he serves in all adult ministries and various other roles here at the church. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thank you, Eric. Glad you it's guys are here. Pleasure. How are you guys doing today? Wonderful. Good. Wonderful. It's a great day. It's a NCAA tournament starts today, so it's a it's a good day. That's true. That's true. Everybody's got their brackets in, huh? You betcha. Who you got winning, Brian? I'm not telling you, Eric. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like you're not going to win it then. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Pastor? Alabama. Alabama. I'd say roll tide. But Alabama tied. and Kansas in the final Dude, game. Alabama, Kansas. Jayhawks and Tide. Yeah. 85-83, final score. Wow. Wow, He's you've heard it now. By you've heard two. It now. That's a barn burner right there. Okay. Bama by two over the Jayhawks. Well, um, I have Bama winning as well, beating the Jayhawks 85-79. 85-79. Wow. So close. We didn't even talk before. Great this. minds think alike. Heck yes. Or we're both going to lose, and some <laughs> like or they don't. Creighton's going to win it, or something. You know. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I don't think anybody else out there might be caring about what we're talking about right now. But that's all right. That's okay, right? Vermont's in the dance, so they're playing. That's oh, exciting. the Catamounts and the men's and women's teams yes, are both in. Exactly, it's a banner day. Go Catamounts. They are located in the great state of Vermont, where Brian Ness is from. You said it all. You said that. (laughs) I'm glad your team's in there. Are you going? Speaking of catamounts, they play here in Columbus on Friday. 245, I am not going. No? I've got other things i got to do tomorrow. Oh, geez. My son is going for his license tomorrow afternoon. Wow. Well, he can drive you down there. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Well, we'll be pulling for him. So, well, let's get back to the topic at hand here, which is... The Gospel of Mark, and this past Sunday, Pastor, you landed in Mark 11, verses 15 through 19, where the the subject was cleansing the temple, and your core truth was following Jesus means caring about the things Jesus cared about, and you jumped right into your first, first point there, which was Jesus cared about the welfare of the temple. Can you unpack that as, as you look at Mark 11, 15 through 16? Um, unpack that for us a little bit, if you would. Yeah, I think one of the things just on the front end, this is the final week of Jesus' earthly life. And so in Mark chapter 11, the first part of it, we see Jesus entering Jerusalem as a king, a triumphal entry known as Palm Sunday. And then on Monday, uh, he enters Jerusalem as a priest. And so he comes, and as we look at the first point, we see that he comes into the temple And he cleanses the temple. He cares about what's happening in the temple. You know, as we said with the core truth, I would would revise that to say following Jesus means passionately caring about the things Mm -hmm. Jesus passionately cared about. 
And so often there are things that we'll pound the table for. We often call those our core convictions and our values. Jesus pounded the table in verses 15 through 19 because of what was happening in the temple. And as we look at the very first point, he cared about the welfare of the temple because what was happening in the temple was, as we think about the, the passage, we're, we're told that Jesus found people selling buy, and buying goods in the temple. He found others exchanging currency. And perhaps the most difficult thing for Jesus to see and the reason he pounded the table was that there were people taking advantage of other people. Extortion was going on in the mm. temple. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the map that you shared, the layout of the temple on Sunday. And basically what I was picturing is, um, is this might sound a little strange, but if anybody's ever been to the county fair and then the stock exchange, combine those two, and that's what I pictured going on there. Yeah. You know, just noise, merchants shouting from their stalls to customers, haggling. Um, just the noise was was constant of livestock. So that's just what I envisioned. That was my picture of, of it when we talk about this. Um, so, yeah, I, I really I really appreciated the, the diagram that you showed uh, around that. But... What else is going on in in, in the, the temple courts? Well, the, the court of the Gentiles was reserved for, actually it was opened to everyone, Jewish and Gentile. And really the intent of the court of the Gentiles was for everyone to come and to be able to pray and to worship. And the reason Jesus was pounding the table, and more specifically, the reason he overturned the table is because... What had happened is the Jewish leaders were more interested in, in, in profit and in money and greed rather than interested in allowing all people to come in into the court of the Gentiles and pray and draw near to God. Mm-hmm. And so as you think of, as you envision that court of the Gentiles in the diagram, that was the, that's the largest part of, of the temple area as far as the different courts. And so it was a, it was a massive place. Many said that it's around, um, as I look at the, the stats here, it was, it was an area that covered some 35 acres. And so, um, so, the, so those, those people that were um, taking advantage of others were really keeping people from coming and worshiping the Lord in a spirit of, of worship and prayer because of all the noise and, the, and all the activity happening. Yeah, and you mentioned worship, which is your second point, but I don't want to minimize... Uh, the bullet that you shared after point one, which is Jesus is passionate about holiness, about the holiness of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what really, as you kind of drill down deeply and you think about what really triggered him was that this holy place um, had become a place of, of wickedness rather than holiness. Wickedness was taking place. And so he's passionate. And so obviously the question in that point is, Jesus is passionate about holiness, and really I think the application for each of us is, am I? Absolutely. And then point two continues on where it says, you had mentioned Jesus cared about the worship in the temple, which is where you you mentioned that just a second ago, Um, almost cleaning house, right? Mm -hmm. So he cleans house, he knocks over tables, kicks over tables, um, 
and then Mark tells us that Jesus stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. Mm-hmm. So it can be a, a, a house of worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you landed on, on Mark eleven seventeen on that point. Can you dive into that a little bit deeper? Yeah, sure. I would, uh, I would say as we look at that second point, um, as you look at the words of Jesus, it's obvious that he is quoting from the Old Testament He's talking about uh, a passage from, I believe it's Isaiah 56, 7, where he talks about my house will be called a house of, of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Mm-hmm. And so as you, as you look at that, I, I, as I kind of walked through the passage last week, there were three phrases that stood out, my house, house of prayer, all nations. And so that idea is, you know, he says, uh, my house well the problem the first problem was that um it was no longer the temple was no longer god's house it become a house devoted to the needs of men mm-hmm. instead of being a house that was man uh god-centered it was man-centered so it, it had ceased to be a house of god second phrase shall be a call to a uh, house of prayer of all the nations and so again um as you think about that phrase there um as we said earlier, uh, it had become a house uh, of something else, of not prayer, but of, of just a profit, if you will, mm-hmm. people making a profit. And the third phrase was, you know, if you, you've made it a den of, of robbers. I love the study note that I got out of, I believe, the NIV study Bible when it talks about den of robbers. Not only because they took financial advantage of the people, but also because they robbed the temple of its sanctity. It had become a den of robbers. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, so point one, you had Jesus cared about the welfare of the temple. Point two, Jesus cared about the worship in the temple. And the bullet point underneath point two is that Jesus is passionate about prayer. Mm-hmm. Extremely passionate about prayer. Brian, do you have anything around those topics? Yeah, I just was, as as pastor was as, as he was sharing that, um, for those who have had an opportunity to go to Israel, and um, some, some, one of the times I got to go up on the Temple Mount, and you're reflecting on some things that happened up there. You know, now the, the Muslim Dome of the Rock is there, um, and it, it doesn't look like exactly it did then, but you're imagining what, what, what happened on that Temple Mount uh, in, in stories like this with Jesus, um, just not impressed with how they were taking advantage mm. of other people. But then right right beside that, it's, it's, um, it's interesting, as, as he was, as, as Pastor was reflecting on point two, it says Jesus cared about the worship in the temple. Um, there's a church that was built in the, I think it's the ninth century, um, and it has some of the best acoustics I've ever experienced anywhere in the world. And um, it's interesting as, as groups and church groups go over to Israel, and, and worship is more than just singing, but obviously one form of worship is singing. It's right near where this all happened, and people pause, and they stop, and they sing, and they praise God together. And I just I was imagining that. Um, as, as Pastor was talking about it. And then the other thing was, um, he does not 
dwell in buildings or temples made by man. Mm. And now he dwells in us, and we are the tabernacle. We are the temple of where he dwells. And it's really humbling to think about how am I treating this temple? How am how is this dwelling place of God being used uh, today? Those are just some of the thoughts I was thinking as he was sharing. Yeah, those are great, great shares. And you know, when we talk about prayer, you know, Mark tells us that Jesus said, "My temple will be called a house of prayer." Um, you know, this is where we we come to talk to God. Prayer is at the core of worshiping God, um, and the temple was where people came to talk to God and to hear from God. Uh, and to think about God's greatness and be re- reminded of God's power. Um, God's people, you, me, the listeners, um, we should be a people of prayer. And as I thought about this a little bit more, I think it, I think it's not only important to pray par- privately about things that are on your heart personally, I, I think it's also important to pray with others about things that, that are on your heart of, of a group of believers. So throughout Scripture, God's ta- constantly talking and calling us to prayer, teaching us how to pray, and giving us examples of people who prayed well. Um, so when when we when we come to church, when we come to the church building, you know we can expect two things: to hear from God and to talk to God. And are those the things that we're focusing on when we come to to the church building on a Sunday and we gather corporately, or are we worried about? other things are we worried about you know is is the music too loud is the music too soft is the color of the paint wrong what are we coming to church on sunday for you know what what are what are those motives what are the things do you have motives or is it i'm going to worship my lord and savior jesus christ today right and is that worship coming out of an overflow of how you're spending time with him Throughout the week, not only individually, but in in a in a smaller community of other believers, or are you just expecting to get the buffet on Sunday morning, and that's the only spiritual food you get the rest of the week, and you're starving yourself the rest of the week? Right. And I heard a great illustration this morning. I just want to share it here. I don't. I, I didn't come up with this. I heard it, so I, I don't remember who said it. It was on some podcast I was listening to. But he, had, he said, imagine an orange, right, like the fruit, right? And you take that orange and you squeeze it. What comes out of that orange? Orange juice, hopefully, right? If, if you're squeezing an orange, something else comes out. I'm not sure. You may right. not have an orange, right? right? But orange comes out. Now, apply that to you in your spiritual life. When, when you get squeezed, what comes out? Holiness? Christ-likeness, or is it anger, bitterness, selfishness? It was that was a very powerful illustration this morning that I, that I heard, and I just wanted to share that, like you were saying. Yeah. Uh, how are how are we how are we coming to church? How are we showing up? Because no one else cho- no one else chooses that but us. Mm. We choose how we show up. Right. No one else. Other people may may influence that. But you're just le- letting them live in your head rent-free is what you're doing. But you choose how you show up. Yep. So, yeah. 
Back on yeah, topic. Yeah thanks, for, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I listened to the same podcast Did and didn't want to remember that part. You know, that's a, that's a very con- it's very well. Maybe convicting. you can share then. What podcast? No, I can't remember. That's okay. You don't have to. Yeah, no, it was a Craig Grishel podcast. Oh, we that's right. To yep. This morning, yeah. And I forgot which one I was listening to this morning. Yeah, thanks it, for that sharing was, that. It was convicting to think about that. You're exactly right. I think it, you know if we walk back into the in Violet's youth room, um, we see on the wall overflow, and that I think that's one of the. One of the things about that is what's coming out of the overflow mm-hmm. of, of who we are. Um, yeah, good good share. Yeah. So point one, Jesus cared passionately about the welfare of the temple. Point two, Jesus cared passionately about the worship in the temple. And as we move to point three, Pastor, Jesus cared passionately about the witness in the temple. And that's where you landed in Mark 11, verses 18 through 19. Can, can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, it's interesting as you read verses 18 and 19 closely, you see that there are basically two responses to what Jesus did. You know, he turned over, overturned the table. And he gave this incredible, um, convicting uh, verse from Isaiah 56, 7. And so as a result of that, there were two responses from two different groups. The two, two groups were the religious leaders and the crowd. As you think about the first group, the Jewish leaders saw what Jesus did and heard what he said, and they were resolved to put him to death because they feared him. In fact, by the end of the week, they would do that very thing. They would crucify him. Mm. The other group was the, the crowd. All the crowd was amazed that they, they were, it was a liberating message, and this is what the temple should be. It should be for all nations. And so what, as they, they were so amazed because Jesus was getting to the heart, the true heart of God, which is, is clearly stated in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And what Jesus was doing that day, he was giving them a, a vision, a heart, for not just the Jews, but for the entire world. The religious, the religious leaders couldn't, they couldn't stand that, so they, they crucified him. But this other group, they were amazed because that is deep in the heart of everyone, that, that God would love me and God would love the whole world. And, and speaking of the world, genuine worship accepts others. Genuine, genuine worship takes, takes on many forms, Right. So if we were to go to, say, a Hispanic church, it will sound and feel a little bit different than what service here at Violet looks like on Sunday. If we go to a African-American church, it will sound and feel a little bit different than what Violet looks like on Sunday. If you go to, we'll just say, a, a cowboy church or a biker church or inner city church, they will all sound and feel different. If you go to a church in China or in Australia or with a tribe in Africa, they will all look, sound, and be different. And God wants all peoples and languages, cultures, races, and like you said, all nations to worship him. And it takes all different churches to reach different people and different cultures. And I just I just think that's so powerful that we can't forget that. Does our church, when we say our church, please hear me. <laughs> It's, it's God's church, but 
does the church building that we come to on Sunday and we call Violet look like the community that we're in? Are we reaching our whole community? Mm-hmm. And those are things that constantly play through my head. I know we're talking all of the world, but how do you reach the world? You got to start where you're at, mm-hmm. right? Because we're planted here. But we are we are supposed to reach the world. I, I get that. But if we start here, does it look like it? I know we're all generations, all nationalities. Um, any thoughts around that? <laughs> the only thing I can say is yes. Um, I, I I'm excited that that one day, um, every tribe and every tongue, we are going to be worshiping together. Um, those of us who have received Jesus' uh, gift of salvation, we're going to be worshiping him together forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be beautiful. And, and and this is like a preparation for that. And so you're exactly right. I'm reminded, and not to use, um, not to use little phrases or words or whatever, but do are we more about our preference mm-hmm. or are we more about a specific calling and purpose that God has put on our church to have as we reach our, our community uh, for Jesus. And that that's really challenging, Eric, when you think about that is, are mm-hmm. we a preference preference driven church or are we being purposeful in how we reach, reach out? And, I think there's a lot of churches today that are, it's all about our preference and it's tough. I I mean, I have preferences, but there's times where you have to lay your preferences down for the greater good of, of furthering his kingdom. And I think we all need to evaluate that in our life sometime because it's about reaching people for Jesus. And I I was reminded that, you know, pastors talking about witnessing in the, in the, in Jesus cared about the witness in the temple. You know, he, he cared so much that later, you know, this is the last week of his life, but then when he rose again and 40 days after that, he he met with his disciples in Acts 1-8 and said, you will be my witnesses um, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we were reminded at a conference recently, um, you know, Acts 8 happens. They were all still gathered in Jerusalem, and then persecution happens. And it spread them through Judea and Samaria. They 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 spread everywhere. The go and, part. Yeah, the go. go. Yeah. yeah, go <laughs> and and make disciples. Yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thanks for sharing that. So, and as Pastor said in in verse seventeen, you know, he says, "My temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations." I think sometimes we stop at my temple will be called a house of prayer. No, it's for all nations. It continues on and. Um, it was all for all nations to gather and worship. Your language didn't matter. Your skin color didn't matter. Your culture didn't matter. It didn't matter if you were rich or poor. All nations were welcome to worship the one true God. And as Pastor mentioned, um, however, you know, their place at the temple had been overtaken by greed, stables, money changers, vendors. And they had been pushed out of the temple courts. And this really causes me to ask two important questions personally is the first question is, what do we do that pushes people away from God? Right? Like what, what is it that we do? 
whether that's as pastors that pushes people away from God, whether that's as 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 Violet that pushes people away from God, what do our listeners do that pushes people away from God? And I know that's a tough question to actually look at. Um, and then the second question that, that this brings up is, what can we do to make this a place for anyone to worship God? What can we do to make people feel wanted, loved, and accepted and valued here at Violet to where they know they have a place with us who worship the one true God? Yeah, I think the one thing that we can clearly do is every person you lock eyes with, the person you're looking at, we need to know deep in our heart Jesus died on the cross for that person. So I think that really um, that hits home for me that any person I ever see and lock eyes with, um, God loves that person so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for them. And who am I right. to, uh, you know, to say otherwise about another person? Yeah, that's a great, a great share. Um, those are things that I'm constantly thinking about. What are we doing? Um, not just personally, but are there things that we do? I'll say this: are there are there are there things that we do as a denomination that puts a roadblock up? And I know I know this is a slippery slope. <laughs> I get that, but I'm not saying you know outside of Baptist faith and message. I, that's we hold to that. I totally understand that. Are there things that we do potentially that stop people from walking in our doors? I think what, what Pastor Brian said earlier is so good. Um, anytime we become preference-driven versus purpose-driven, then we're getting in a way of what God wants to do, whether it's personally, church, denomination, whatever. If it's all about our preferences, if, if it's all about us, it's not about him. Mm-hmm. And then. Sure. Right. So. Yes. So point three, Jesus cared about the witness in the temple. And the bullet point that you have there is Jesus is passionate about the world. Are you passionate about the world, listener? Are you passionate about your neighbor? Let's start there. <laughs> Let's start there. Are you passionate about your neighbor, the person down the street, your community that you live in, where your kids go to school if you have children? Are you passionate about that? We're called to be passionate about those things. And we need to be. We need to make sure that we're living that out, and not just keeping the good news to ourselves. But we're we're an inviting culture. We're sharing the love of Jesus with people and showing them that we care about them. So the core convictions that you mentioned, Pastor, were our worship and our witness are vital to our work, our walk with Jesus. Our worship and our witness are vital to our work with Jesus. Why is that so vital? to our walk with Jesus. I know we talked a little yeah. bit about it, but if, if you were to just cap that, what, what would you say there? Because it includes both a vertical and a horizontal dimension to our lives. Mm. The vertical dimension is, is, is worship of, of God who's worthy of all of our, our worship and our praise. But then the horizontal dimension of our lives is that there are people, there's a reason we're still here mm. on earth. And that is that um, God wants us to be a witness to those around us of what, what Christ has done in our lives. Two of the um, 
two of my heroes in the faith. Obviously, Jesus is the superhero. He's the all-time hero. But two men that really marked my life um, when it comes to having a, a heart for others and, and for the world. Uh, first of all, Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. He had a passion for taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And I love what he said. He said, there's no higher calling or greater privilege known to man than being involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission. The second man that's marked my life more than any other man, perhaps, is Billy Graham, the world's greatest evangelist. And he had such a passion for the world that everything he did uh, was all about um, reaching the nations, reaching the world with the gospel. Like both men, may we have a commitment. May we make a great commitment like them to the great commandment. Mm -hmm. That's a great share. Yeah, and I was just going to say to the listener, uh, to come this Sunday, either tune in or or come uh, to our church building, and we're going to be talking about some practical ways on how to do this. What are some practical ways that we can, as we look into Mark chapter 12, how do we do this right where we live? So I encourage them to come to get to get those practical steps. I'm looking forward to that. I am too. So point one, Jesus cared passionately about the welfare of the temple. Point two, Jesus cared passionately about the worship in the temple. And point three, Jesus cared passionately about the witness in the temple. If Jesus is passionate about those things, so we should be as well. We should be as well. God is worthy of our worship. So don't let worship get cluttered with other things. When you gather with others to worship God, prepare your heart to receive what he says and to talk to him and bring your lives to him. So thank you both for your time today. It was great to dig in with a little bit more. Uh, Is there anything else either of you would like to say before we close out today? Uh, just see you Sunday. See you Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I would just say, um, and Pastor Brian alluded to it earlier, but um, when you give your life to Jesus, Jesus comes to live in you, and you become his house now. The temple's no longer around. It was, it was destroyed in 70 A.D. But we know 1 Corinthians six nineteen says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you received from God? You are not your own. And to close, I would just say, To personalize this passage means to understand that Jesus cares about the welfare of your house. He cares about the the worship in your house, and he cares about the witness in your house. I thank you for that share. And thank you all again for your time today, and thanks for our listeners out there for listening in. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, website, violetbaptistchurch.org. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and be sure to download the Church Center app for all things Violet. Have a great rest of your week, and like Pastor Brian said, see you Sunday.